Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Hey, Boiling Pointers. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Before we start, Dave and I want to let you know all about our Boiling Point Process online courses, live events, and masterminds. After interviewing hundreds of leaders, we've packaged a ton of knowledge together to serve up to you. Info that will help you and your company be heard in a very noisy marketplace. So visit www.boilingpointprocess.com and sign up for the email newsletter and we'll let you know when our next cohort or event is. Thanks also for supporting The Boiling Point by subscribing to us on iTunes and also leaving a rating for us. Okay, Boiling Point, welcome back. Uh, what an exciting number of weeks we've had behind us uh, with our partner-sponsored uh, podcast series called Shifting the Employee Experience, which has been really, really fun for me because I am not on the microphone, but Dave uh, uh, Vale, of course, uh, my amazing co-host, is on the microphone with Dr. Bill Howitt, and they've been talking about truly uh, finding ways for uh, work companies to become safe places to work. And uh, the, the last few uh, podcasts have been really, really interesting, certainly for me as a business, uh, business owner myself. So we're really excited about this. We just want to say a quick thank you to our partners, our sponsor partners, which are Work Safety and Prevention Services and the University of New Brunswick who uh, made all of this very possible. So, um, like I said, I'm excited because I'm behind the board now uh, for the next little bit, and I'm going to disappear, but Dave and Bill are on the line, and they're going to introduce our very incredible guest today. So, uh, Dave and Bill, why don't you guys kick it off and let us know why we are, why we are doing this recording uh, virtually, all from our own uh, home studios. Uh, well, he never we- disappears. Yeah, we're, we're, we are certainly practicing self-isolation. It's a new concept. I'm sure we'll bring it up in the interview with our guest. Um, we're doing this virtually for the first time. And I got to say, so far, so good. So welcome to the shift, Shifting the Explo- Employee Experience. Um, Dr. Bill, nice to see you. We usually are sitting beside each other. We're going to try this differently. We can actually see each other. Um, but this is the audio portion only. And, um, and this, this is a really interesting topic. Uh, I know you have a lot of um, experience. Uh, you've done a lot of research in the area. And it's, it's really around this particular topic is what employees need to do and know, um, you know, around bullying and abuse in the workplace. And, and you shared an article with me around this idea of, of navigating the issue of bullying in the workplace. And, um, you know, why don't you share with listeners, like what, what uh, was driving the need um, for you to, to share this information and this idea of bullying in the workplace? No, thanks, Dave. Good, good to see you and uh, good to hear from you. And I don't I personally think uh, Greg really goes anywhere. I think he's just, he has a presence about him. So he's just, he, and he'll be back eventually before we're done somehow. I exactly. just hear that. Um, this is a really real topic for me. Yes. And the key point for me, David, is, is lots of organizations in the last few years, hook or nook because of occupation health and safety changes are starting to spend more time on respect the workplace policies and starting to talk more around harassment and, and starting to provide more training. And 
The thing that troubles me um, is, is that we're creating an illusion that because we create policies and a little bit of training that employees actually know how to self-advocate. I did some research with the Conference Board of Canada, and I, one of the flaws that I'm seeing lots of folks do, in the case of someone like a Jack, and I used that in an article, you know, there's sometimes what happens people don't realize is that, you know, style and presence in the workplace, some managers who are driven to try to achieve their goals and want to be successful, their behavior sometimes can be actually having a negative impact on the other person, but they can be actually mortified because they may not believe what they're doing could be hurtful to other people. So in the case of Jack, Jack's a big manager. He's trying to be assertive. He's a big man, lots of size, and people may misread his intention. And what's important for everyone to understand, it doesn't really matter what Jack's intention is. It's what the people who are on the other side can receive it. Now, when we put in the respect to workplace policies and we actually say, okay, if you ever feel that you're having a hard time and someone's bullying, harassing you, tell the person that you have a concern. And the point I'm trying to make, David, is to someone like Jack or a manager, when we're doing all these conversations around respect for workplace and harassment, the challenge that I'm seeing is, is we're not putting in place provisions and asking employees, do you know how to self-advocate? If you're having a difficult time, do you know how, do you feel comfortable to have enough skills? And as someone who spends a lot of time, I spent 30 years in mental health, and one of the things I find fascinating, living my entire life with a mental illness, is that I, I've learned how to self-advocate for myself. I've learned how to ask for accommodations. I've learned how to struggle with things that some other people may not have had to deal with. And, and, and because I've had mentors and support and people who care and love for me, I have mean, learned how to get the comfort and confidence. Now I happen to be a big guy, but what people sometimes get confused is size. If I told you the amount of six foot five men that I've worked with over my life that are in their basement, mortified and suffering, experienced traumatic and PTSD because of experiences in the workplace or not knowing how to self-advocate or understand how to process what's happening to them and going through the traumatic experiences, and not knowing what to do with that, that can erode them and create confusion. So for me, one of the things I'd like us to do when we have this conversation today, David, is explore not only with the concept, okay, what employers can do with policies and training, but I want them to go another step. I want them to really slow it down a bit and start really being diligent and having conversations with their employees about you know, how do we ensure that they feel comfortable to self-advocate when they don't feel comfortable? So that's kind of what I'm excited about this conversation. I know our guest has lots of experience and expertise around the importance of self-advocating and how, how it can take, uh, takes, uh, takes so sometimes may take uh, lots of different support systems to do that. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's where, I'm, where, where my motivation kind of starts okay. this conversation today, Dave. Awesome. Well, let's, let's, we're going to pull our guest in here. And when we started, um, and, and we were so nice to have workplace safety and prevention services come on board and sponsor this. And they said early on, um, uh, Sheldon, they might, that we should get you on this. And, um, and thankfully you agreed and you're, you're calling <laughs> us from Saskatchewan right now. Um, it's Sheldon Kennedy. Um, Sheldon, uh, I, I'm familiar with your story. I think a lot of Canadians are. I think a lot of people that played hockey and um, know the story. Um, a lot of our listeners maybe won't have had the, the benefit of, of knowing your backstory. I wonder if you'd share a little bit about who you are and, and, and what you're doing now, if that would be okay. Sure. Well, I, uh, I really uh, 
liked what uh, Dr. Bill just had to say in the opening. I, I, uh, I can relate to a lot of that, and I think that uh, it's bang on. But, um, you know, I, I guess, you know, for me, uh, you know, I played in the NHL for eight years, um, and I disclosed in 1996 that I was sexually abused uh, by our uh, by by our by my junior coach, and um, and with that disclosure going from I'm, I think I'm the only one this has ever happened to to um, becoming newsmaker of the year in Canada uh, that year uh, with the feeling of that I really didn't do anything. Um, showed me that I wasn't the only one and that these issues were real. So, you know, I, I just remember, um, you know, back in 96, 97, and I remember uh, I rollerbladed across this country and I talked and I had probably 25 disclosures of all different types of abuse and, and harms. And, and I remember the stories being different, but I but what it really hit me was the impact was very consistent. And that's what I've always tried to focus on is the impact. And, uh you know, and, and, you know, what is the impact of what happened? And, and I think, you know, we, you know, we know that today is PTSD and mental health and all, all of, all of those issues. But, uh, you know, back in 96, nobody was talking about this stuff. So we set out, we raised uh, over a million and a half dollars and we donated it to the Red Cross and we spoke, a, we wrote a program for hockey coaches across this country called Speak Out. And it was about training around, you know, trying to educate coaches. But I think back then, any type of training or, and it's still that way, I think, in a lot of places. But, you know, the way we went about it was try to build a program that was made for the 1% of bad people instead of focusing on the 99, 98% of really good people in your organization and make them better. And, and so we started training coaches back in 19 you know 96 and uh um and that's evolved uh over time over the last i guess uh 20 some years here that uh um you know we've moved into co- educating parents uh and all of the coaches and parents were volunteers and that were in the workplace and they said to us they said well can you create something for the workplace so uh we set out to create a respect in the workplace program so um, we've trained over one point, we're at about 1.4 million people in this country. But our concept is, uh, and what we've learned is that um, there's such a lack of confidence around these issues and knowledge that people don't even know where to start to have the conversation. We don't even, we couldn't even tell you what workplace bullying, harassment, abuse is, um, let alone do something about it. And I think for a long time, and Dr. Bill said it at the start, it's like, I think we tried to deal with these problems with policies and procedures. And I think the reality is, is that we have to get these issues out of the policy and procedure column, even though policies and procedures are important, but they need to get into the priority column within our organizations. And it's about recruitment and retention and it's about well-being and I think once we get to that place then there becomes an open-mindedness around learning and and uh, making it a priority and understanding that if we're not taking care of these issues uh, all of the things that we're trying to achieve as a company um, aren't as successful as they can be productivity etc so that's kind of a little bit about where we've been I guess in a nutshell Um, and that's what we try to continue to do. Wow. Wow. Well, well, very succinct. Holy cow. And it's amazing to think it's been over 20 years. Like it just seems like it was yesterday. Um, you know, that whole roller, I remember that rollerblading journey quite well and following it. And what do you, what, um, you know, if you think from a perspective of a hockey player, um, you know, what, 
what was what did you find most challenging in terms of advocating for yourself or like what 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 maybe what created obstacles to that in your mind well i think i mean um i think to begin with i mean i i uh you know i mean i just to kind of lay the lay lay a little bit you know uh yeah we rollerbladed across the country but i've also been in numerous uh, treatment centers, uh, psych wards, uh, long-term mental health hospitals as well, because I didn't know how to advocate for myself. And uh, so I've learned over the years, um, uh, a lot of years, and I spend, you know, I'm pay attention to where I'm at, my mental well-being and state on a daily basis, which, which is important. But I think as a, um, you know, what I've learned is that, um, you know, we were told as we were recruited uh, to come and play for a hockey team and our family was told that you know what we are going to take good care we're going to take care of your son mrs kennedy mm-hmm. <laughs> right we are mm-hmm. going to just it is going to be the best experience you've ever had and that's i think very common in the way that we try to recruit right whatever it is whether it's mm-hmm. kids whether it's you know in the workplaces wherever and and uh and and I think once we got in there, uh, and we, and I realized quickly, and especially back then, and I you know I, things have changed. Things need to continually change, but things have definitely changed over the years. But um, I, I found out quickly that you know nobody was really looking out for my best interest, and and if they were, they would have noticed that Sheldon wasn't doing well. Um, you know, dropping out of school as a 16 year old, as a star hockey player, you know, showing up at school drunk, you know, acting out and telling in many ways that, you know, aren't by words, but are by actions. And, uh, and I realized that I was alone and that's the way I felt. And, Hmm. and I didn't know who I did could tell. And I felt I was telling, and I did try to tell some people that I was struggling and, uh, and, and it seemed like, like, uh, um, you know, it fell on deaf ears. So, you know, I, I think that, I think that, you know, unless we make it a priority, unless everything we do has, is connected back to, uh, the well-being of the individuals, um, and the well-being of our organizations and the hallways that we walk, um, I don't think it's ever going to build the confidence that we're going to need to give those that are struggling to come forward that are already scared and full of fear to say Mm -hmm. anything and confused. And quite frankly, I didn't even know how to start explaining the way I felt because I'd never experienced anything in that, my life like that. So I think that's, I think that's fairly common. Sheldon, Bill here. Um, One of the things I really am grateful for your, your insight, and it gets me thinking about as an employee in the workplace, I'm, doing a series with the Globe and Mail today on before this COVID-19, I was doing a series because uh, my just cause for 2020 was uh, the algorithm for mental health. My belief system is physical health, mental fitness, and social connections. And one of the things I've realized is that these things called perceived isolation is like barriers. And so for example, someone who's in the workplace who doesn't feel psychologically safe that can become a perceived uh, barrier for them if they don't know how to actually solve it. Because and I use the word perceived because two people in the exact same situation may deal with it differently. 
And, and, the, and the isolation that can actually make someone feel they're all alone. I'm hearing that in your point when you felt alone and thinking about employees in the workplace who feel isolated and how that can that isolation because they don't know who to talk to. Uh, I've just done some research recently, Sheldon, that says that 48% of the population in the workforce doesn't have a one person in the workplace they feel safe talking about their concerns, whether it be mental health or psychological safety. And so I'd be curious if you wouldn't mind talking a little bit more to now putting your, you know, your, your, your voice on your, to start to move from a, a person with experience to the coach that you are and all the wisdom that you've been sharing with employers is that how do you have the conversations? Like how are you capturing employers' attention around, hey, folks, your employees can feel really isolated when they are being victimized. And, and, and you need to understand that this isolation is very, very real. And just because they can identify, it doesn't mean they have the resources to do anything. And here are some of the things I think you could do to help. I'd love to hear yeah. what your thoughts on that. For sure. And I think, you know, I just want to, you know, make clear um, kind of where we fit with respect in the workplace and what we do. And our whole mindset with this, uh, you know, by building this program, it's all online. So, um, but our, our goal with this was to create a standard and a basic knowledge and a confidence um, um, throughout every person in the organization. So, um, you know, we, we would basically be your foundational training built on, you know, trying to give people the basic knowledge to, to actually understand how to have a conversation or, you know, how to listen and, and what to do if somebody does approach you. Um, and that's kind of where we've started and that's where we've stayed. So, you know, I don't coach Bill, but I guess, uh, I do speak, uh, you know, to some people, uh, you know, more on a, uh, you know, I guess, can you, can you help me basis? But, yeah. um, you know, what I, what I think is that, um, I really believe that, you know, sharing is a, is a skill being like, I had the practice to learn how to share. And I think that we expect people to, you know, just be able to share freely and clearly if something is wrong. And what I've learned over my life is that sharing took me a long time uh, to practice how to share and, you know, what worked, what type of sharing worked for me. And, you know, that is not something that is just going to happen uh, in a hallway um, or in a manager's meeting. Um, you know, I think, again, this is about culture. And I think culture is a continue, continual action item and it needs to be practiced. And I think, you know, one thing that I suggest um, to teams or people that are sitting around, you know, is, you know, learn how to have a conversation, you know, you know, go around and do a check-in. How's it going? How are you feeling? Right. And, and because I think, you know, most people that I know, unless they've been, you know, impacted by a mental illness or addiction or all of the above, um, <laughs> most people don't know how to share and i think the gift and when we talk about the gift of recovery or the you know being and i don't think we hear enough from the people like yourself bill like you shared it we don't hear enough about the people that are living in good recovery what worked for you what happened right what do you do every day 
And how did you get there? And how did you take that first step? I think that is absolutely critical. I think that the issues a lot for a long time have stayed in, you know, stayed in kind of that dark place. And I think we need to get out because I think there is a ton of solutions. There's a lot that there's a lot that's going on, good things that are going on. There's a lot of people that have found a way out. And I think those are the people that are going to teach us and help us get to that next step. Uh, that's such a, that's a lot. There's a lot of wisdom in this. It's Dave here, Sheldon. Um, I, um, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, if we take that idea of sharing a little bit further, I'm just, you know, what, and, and I'll, I can, I can relate in some ways to your experience, just having, like, I, I, I actually went to school not far from probably where you are now, Wilcox, Saskatchewan, uh, Notre oh, yeah. Dame, uh, played, uh, would have played a little bit after you in a very short, unimpressive, uh, junior career with the in Western <laughs> Hockey League with the Regina Pats. So I kind of, I have a sense of the cult, some of that, those, the, what those cultures were in the, you know, eighties and nineties. And, mm-hmm. um, and it certainly wasn't in my experience, and I had a lot of you know, fabulous experiences, but it wasn't an experience typically that, Hey, how are you feeling? And, and really supporting you being at all vulnerable. It, it, at least that's not my recollection of it. Um, how did, but you know but i think there were there were moments where um i mean a particular teacher i remember at notre dame just reached out and it was this wonderful opportunity and i didn't realize how much i had bottled up but i just you know all the emotions that you have as a teenager um but mm-hmm. how do you think how do you think you know we we can be better at encouraging other people to share with us and those check, you know those ideas of check-ins like what what do you think could support more of that happening if if someone maybe isn't a place where they're strong enough to share themselves well, I mean, I think, I don't know, what I, what I try to practice is, um, you know, it's, a, it's about how, how do I show up, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about, you know, I think we spend a lot of time or whatever. I, for a long time, I was spending a lot of time worrying about everybody else and I, and I wasn't taking care of myself. And I think what I've learned is that, you know what, the healthier I am, the better I show up for others, the more, you know, the more open I am to listening and speaking giving people the time and I think and I think that's it like I I really don't believe that you know this is um you know this is uh I don't believe this is you know uh, rocket science I I think that you know at the end of the day what I know is that um you know probably the best gift I can give to somebody is being able to learn to listen and and you know and not try to fix people because you know I can't do that but, you know, being able to help maybe navigate uh, that system. And I think, you know, I, so I take the approach of, you know, trying to prepare myself every day and stay healthy so that I can be available for others. And I, I think that that's what's in my control. Um, and that's the best that I can do and best that I can offer. And I think, you know, um, it's when I find that I'm in that space, um, you know, I, 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 I'm able to ask and maybe pick up on maybe if somebody isn't feeling comfortable more so than, than if I'm, you know, ripping around worried about what everybody else is doing. So that's kind of my, my, uh, I guess, philosophy is trying to live on a day-to-day business and I think, or a basis. But, you know, what I also know about this stuff is that it's not about perfect, Mm -hmm. you know, recovery, like, I think that we, we think this is, you know, we have to be perfect or we have to say the, the perfect thing or the right. Like, I think as long as it comes from an honest, heartfelt, compassionate 
place. Um, you know, um, you know, that, that is what matters. And, you know, I can, my recovery and my help for others has been far from perfect. But what I do know is that, uh, um, you know, I, I don't feel any shame, um, that I didn't give it my best. And I think that's what, you know, sharing recovery progress, I think culture shifting culture, I think it's continually trying to get better on a daily basis. I think that is where we need to get focused on. It's not going to be, it's probably going to be clumsy and, you know, and, and, and not look great coming, coming out of the gates. Right. Mm -hmm. But you know what, (laughs) we're going to get better at it when we start making it a priority and taking action around it uh, as a group. and, And that's the way I feel about it. Oh, this is this is really good, Sheldon. As we as we come down to the our last you know few minutes of conversation, one of the things that I, I, I appreciate you know the courses you're doing and in your in your story and all that kind of stuff. And I want to imagine for a moment we're at you know you're at a WSPS speaking event and and somehow one of the people you know you've just done your talk and someone asks you a lot, you know you're with a room full of senior leaders or OHS or HR or CEOs whoever it may be that's there wanting to learn but they said to you Sheldon what are the top two things to create a psychologically safe culture that you would want us to do just off the cuff what would you say to them well i would say number 1 i would say that every single person in your employee has to be on the same page and have the same knowledge base around these issues that's number one. And number two is I would put a structure in place uh, within your organization as whether it's teams um, or whatever that structure might look like um, and get some help to learn and to practice how to do check-ins and check-ins can be about the work, but I think it's about just, I think people struggle with conversation and I think people don't know how to even have a conversation about life in general uh, at work a lot of times. And I think, you know, if we can make that a priority when we can check in, I think, you know, it's not about just disclosing all the crap. I think it's about just connecting the people. And I think that's mm-hmm. a practice that we have to, that's, that we have to do. So, you know, I think there's two things, there's the training and then there's the action around, you know, whatever that looks like in your organization, getting, getting your people together for that quick check. And it can be, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour, whatever it might be. Awesome. Yeah. I'm really hearing about, um, you know, the is it, you know, intention, you know, and, and that's so, so critical. And um, in the work I, I would do and in, 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 in collaboration with Bill, we teach people coaching skills. And one of the most important skills is how to listen. And what I'm surprised yeah. by is how little I knew about listening and how much I'm learning and continue to learn about listening and listening with intention, not listening to respond. And, um, you know, and I just feel like that's a skill that needs to be practiced and honed um, as we, as we move forward. Yeah. I Um, mean, I, I, I agree with that. And, And I think that there's, you know, like we are not the end all be all with what we do. And I don't think training is, is by any means, the fix all. I think that it's, it's a, uh, it kind of, it's that broad brush that sets kind of draws the line in the sand um, around a knowledge base. But then I think we need strong coaches in there to teach these human conversations, right. About these issues. Yeah. 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 Um, well, so, so now people are going to say they, I mean, and, and listen, um, this is the first time I've, I've had a chance to, to, to have a conversation with you. I, I, I'm really, um, 
so impressed with your authenticity and your willingness just to be vulnerable and, and share. And I think that's such an important thing. And I'm guessing that's why your stories resonated so, so you know, deeply across the, 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 the nation. How, people want to learn more about you. They want to learn more about your resources and, and they want to learn more about the training. You mentioned it was online, which is uh, this time, this day and age is really important. What, where do they go to find more about you uh, training, um, you know, and, and maybe if they're looking for it as an employer or, an, or as an employee? Yeah. Well, our, our website um, is respect group, uh, respect in the workplace dot, dot uh, com. And uh, they can go to the website or, you know, we're on all the different social medias, but you know, if they punch in respect in the workplace or respect in sport, um, either one, it'll, it'll take you to the website. And, you know, basically for Sheldon, just, I don't know, uh, they can Google my name and, and, and read a little bit about our story, but uh, you know, basically, um, you know, I put mo- I put my attention to, um, you know, the respect in our respect business. We've been in business for 16 years. We've got, uh, uh, hundreds of clients, uh, both in the workplace and in sport. And, uh, we went from a place of, you know, people not thinking this was very important, uh, to how, how, how do we get it? So I think there's an appetite, uh, for this type of, um, uh, for these issues, there's a there's a knowledge, I think more of a knowledge now uh, with these issues, and an understanding that it's critical that we we do everything we can uh, um, to address them in our workplaces to get the outcomes that we want, uh, both on the human side and on the corporate side. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Okay, uh, well, I hope I hope folks check that out. Um, thank you for. Uh, you know, I'm, I'd say on behalf of my kids who play hockey for all the work mm-hmm. you've done. Um, and uh, it is so important, this, this, what the work you're doing. And, and yeah. uh, I'm, I'm really happy that, that you got recommended and you agreed to come on and, and, uh, and share your, share your story and experience. Yeah, Thanks, Sheldon. I, I, and I, I would too. I think my son played all the way up to junior too. So he got a, he'll get a kick out of listening to this as well. And it's interesting, Sheldon, he, he didn't, he didn't get abused, but he definitely got put in a situation when he left home to go play BC and Canloops. So it wasn't, it wasn't everything that everybody promised them. So it was some real reality. Yeah. And, and now I have my nephews getting drafted in the queue and I'm trying to tell my brother the same thing is just protect them. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, and, and we, you know, it's not just the sexual abuse stuff, but it's the psychological harm, right? Mm-hmm. That I think is way more prevalent than, 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 you know, the way I was abused, but it's, uh, um, you know, that, that's, and that is just, that carries just as much hurt as the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, well, th- thank you both very much. And thank you for what you do. Uh, to make a difference. It's important. We all need to be pulling on this rope together. Yeah. I hope to meet you in person too soon one day, Sheldon. And I, I yeah, believe and if I can, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, Sorry. I was just saying, if I can help in any way, just, you know, you have my contact, let me know. Oh, we'll we will follow you up. So is this where Greg mysteriously comes back? Is that what's going to happen? I'm still here. I am still here. <laughs> Sheldon, that was awesome, man. Thank you so much for sharing. This is a, this is oh, really Oh yeah, fun you're welcome. On the board. <laughs> Thank you, um, guys. Yeah. Want to do any uh, takeaways while Sheldon's here, or uh, or uh, after he signs yeah. off? 
either or if Shelly, if you want to if you want to hang on we'll do we do we generally some some takeaways we'll let out this portion and we'll do a couple of takeaways from the interview with you and sure. uh, you're happy to stay on or if you if you have other things you got to do whatever works for you okay well I'll, I'll just i'll i'll uh i'll leave you there and you guys can say whatever you want about me <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all good stuff thank you buddy really appreciate it okay yeah, build. yeah Take care, man. thank you see you later man. Thank you. Yeah, you. <laughs> so, um, I, I, Bill, I feel so, you know, we, we have the most amazing guests and uh, I feel so fortunate to have these conversations. You know, we, we, we're hearing from experts, we're hearing, and just to hear from, you know, someone who has lived through um, and being an advocate and, and a real leader in the space is incredible. And just a takeaway for me was just the, the importance and the reminder of, um, you know, you, you know, sharing um and and showing up as your best self um i just i it really resonates with me so that's that's my big takeaway among among many takeaways and and this idea of of um you know being vulnerable i guess yeah i i would agree i think one of the things that i took away from listening to sheldon is how we don't need to be perfect to be pure to find peace. And I think one of the things is, is that it's okay not to be a, uh, to have it all figured out. And just like, I kind of, kind of very encouraging because I find myself a bit sometimes as a clunky roller coaster, go down the road, trying to figure out how to get from A to B. And, and I, I really deeply was uh, reflecting on, on his journey and the courage it took to, from him to get the point a to B and how he gets up every day and keeps doing what he's doing, knowing it doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. And when you, you, know, you shared that in a previous interview, we talked about the idea that it's, you know, just this the daily work, right? It's, it's not a, uh, there's a continuum here and, and we're, we can be anywhere on that continuum. And I, that really resonated with me in, in your, in our conversation in a previous interview um, and uh, the idea of well, mental well-being. Um, and, um, you know, I certainly kind of heard that reflected in the conversation. So, Thanks, man. It has been great. Dr. Bill, as always, uh, we appreciate our, our awesome tech. I love calling him that. Uh, Greg in the background. And um, he's going to tell listeners how to, um, to, to learn more about this amazing podcast. Um, Greg Hemmings, over to you. I'm, just, I'm smiling here because I see you smiling on the Zoom <laughs> because I'm so happy that you don't have to memorize the, uh, the extra. So this is great. So guys, that was a wonderful conversation. I uh, loved hearing uh, Sheldon share his story. Uh, and uh, this, uh, this is it for this episode of Shifting the Employee Experience, which is presented by the Boiling Point Podcast as one of our uh, partner releases. And we want to say a massive thank you to our sponsors, Workplace Safety and Prevention Services, as well as the University of New Brunswick. Uh, as well, if you like this episode, and specifically, specifically this episode, I should say, and this podcast, please do share this with your friends, uh, some really important messages that were and themes that we're talking uh, about uh, in, in every one of these episodes. So please do that. And uh, also it would do us a massive help if you could subscribe and uh, even rate uh, us on iTunes and, uh, and uh, continue uh, supporting us as we bring these incredible conversations out to you and the world. So thanks everybody. And thanks Bill and Dave. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for what you do. Thanks guys. Thanks for listening to the special partnership edition of the Boiling Point podcast, the podcast that we're calling Shifting the Employee Experience, which has been presented in partnership with the University of New Brunswick College of Extended Learning and with our second partner, Workplace Safety and Prevention Services. 
So let me tell you a little bit about our two epic sponsors. The University of New Brunswick College of Extended Learning features the online high-impact corporate leadership program. Workplace health, safety, wellness, and leadership are competencies that significantly impact a workforce. Strength in these areas are crucial for the success in a corporate environment. Build capacity with your entire team with specialized courses through the UMB online experience. For more information, visit go.umb.ca slash ICIP hyphen podcast. Our second partner for the podcast is Workplace Safety and Prevention Services. It's a not-for-profit organization committed to protecting workers and businesses. WSPS serves the manufacturing, agricultural, and service sectors in Ontario, supporting over 160,000 member firms and 4.1 million workers. WSPS offers unparalleled health and safety expertise, consulting, training, and resources. Their mandate includes helping businesses understand their risks and legal obligations to stay in compliance and build a better and safer workplace. You can find out more on their website at www.wsps.ca or by following them on Twitter at at WSPS underscore news or by connecting on their LinkedIn company page by searching for Workplace Safety and Prevention Services. So thanks to those two sponsors for making this podcast a reality. We're really excited to connect with you next week. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.